So this morning, we are going to talk about identity. And what does the seed, the word of God, have to say about your identity, who you are, what your purpose, and how does that affect the relationships around you? And before we get into that, this is something that God gave me a month ago. I wasn't expecting to preach it here, but here we are. And uh, I feel like it's a word for the church today, Um, not just this church, but church in America, I think, needs to hear this word. So, Lord, right now, we just want to come before you, and I ask that it be all of you, none of me, and that your, your seed would go forth, your word would plant into people's hearts, and it would affect change. And they would drive people into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, I pray that, uh, that if there's any indifference in us, you would pinpoint that this morning. If there's any complacency in us, you would pinpoint that this morning. If we're struggling with something, you would show us those struggles. And that today we would find freedom. Today, you would stoke and fan the flames in our hearts. Lord, I just pray that in your name, Jesus. And I pray that you would change lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start out by saying this morning that a good message is not to be agreed with. This is what I've heard, and I agree with this statement, I guess. But a good message is not to be agreed with or disagreed with. It's to be wrestled with. It's something that you chew on and you think about and you let it affect who you are. It's not something easily dismissed. And my hope this morning is that when you hear what needs to be said, it will change you, it will challenge you into a deeper relationship with Christ. And through that relationship, you would discover who you are in Christ through His Word. And before we do that, I have a video I want you to watch. Hey, bro, look, check it out. Labradoodle. What? Yeah, right down there. Oh, I love a good breed. It's so good. Yes, half lab, half moodle. Wait, what? Incredible. Noodle? Yeah. No, that's a not a thing ever. No, no, it totally is. Uh, a moodle. Isn't that, isn't that Dave from Econ? Oh, yeah. What is he doing up here? He's, he's probably just enjoying the view, man. Wait, isn't, isn't Dave blind? We gotta warn him. Hey, hey, Dave. Whoa, 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 bro. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You can, 
can't just tell Tave what to do. Wait, why? Are you blind? Uh, no. Okay, so then you don't know what Dave's gone through. You can't really relate to him, man. Just, just, just let him be. He's totally fine. Literally slipping right now. Yeah, wait, okay, okay, you're gonna you're gonna get all up on him for for slipping. Like everyone slips from here and there. I don't it's care no if he slips. I'm just trying to keep a guy from falling off a cliff. No, no. Okay, listen. What what I think you need to do right now is you just need to love him. You need to not point out. What does his that have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything. Okay, like if you. If you point out his weaknesses, he won't feel loved, he won't feel accepted. I'm just, feel I'm just accepted. trying to keep a guy from going off the cliff. No, he's not even stopping. You, hey, Dave! No, whoa, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it! You speak out against blind people, so what many people will be upset with you? with you. No, so many people won't like you. But also, what if, what if he doesn't like us anymore? You've ever thought about that? Dave will be dead. I need to say, hey, no, no, Dave! No, 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 Dave! Someone, is someone there? Uh, yeah! Hey Dave, how's it going? It's uh, it's Charlie from school. Oh hey man. I'm doing this for Dave's birthday. Uh, maybe you can help me out. I seem to have lost a trail somewhere. You you want to tell me if I'm going the right way? Maybe he is lost. You're right. We we should still just encourage him. Yeah yeah hey no, Dave you know you're doing great man. Uh, you know I love that you're out here man too. I'm proud of you being out on this trail. You're doing great man. You're doing great. Okay, thanks, man. I guess I am going the right way. Watch, he'll figure it out. Just gotta love him through his problems. Yeah, you got it, man. Dave, what are you doing? What? Dave? Dave? Which friend are you? In our society, speaking truth and love, because there's a way to speak truth to people, how you say something does affect things. You can say the right thing, but how you said it, they can't receive it. You're wrong. But when you speak truth and love, it can affect change. And so nowadays in our society, if you speak truth, you're known as a bigot or a hater or whatever they're labeling it nowadays. But last week, Pastor Otter shared that in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God, all Scripture is, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Dave could have used a little rebuke there. In other words, stop! Right? Stop! And a little correction, a course correction. Come this way. You're heading toward death. And nowadays, if you correct a rebuke in such a way, you're like, that way is going to lead death. It's going to lead to death. I know it feels right. I know it looks good. I know it may be fun right now. But in the end, it leads to destruction. We need to be people that can speak truth. Because in our world today, there's a lot of people confused. They're confused. 
They're, they have a lot of confusion on who they are. People are identifying as everything under the sun nowadays. Even society would tell them it's okay if you want to identify as an animal. It's okay. Or as the opposite sex, they say it's okay. They're confused. People are confused. They don't understand that we can't find who we are by looking in ourselves. We can't go by our feelings and our desires to figure out who we are. Every one of us has a sin struggle. A natural bent towards some sort of sin in our lives. Maybe some of you are addicted to drugs and you'd almost identify as a drug addict, but that's not who you are. That may be your sin bent. That may be the the sin of choice for you, but that's not who you are. Or you identify with your sexual preference. That's not who you are. Or maybe you're a drunkard, so you call yourself an alcoholic. Yeah, that may be what you do. That's what you need to be set free from. That's not who you are. It doesn't have to be. But in our society, it's like we want to look inside ourselves and, and go for those natural feelings to define who we are. But that's not how we find out who we are. Even our work doesn't define who we are. Maybe you're a nurse. Maybe there's some things in nursing that lean towards your gifting. Maybe you've got gifts of mercy and hospitality. So nursing is a good fit for you. But a nurse is not who you are. It's what you do. Who you are is your giftings that's coming out. That's who you are. You'll be that person at home. You'll be that person wherever you're at, full of mercy and hospitality. You understand where I'm going so far? Tracking with me? So how do we discover who we are? Well, we find out who we are because God tells us who we are. What God says to you on who you are is who you are. We don't find it in ourselves. We find it through God's word and what God says about us. That's how we find out who we are. God tells you who you are. And he's been defining his creation from the beginning. He really has. From the very beginning, he has defined his creation. So let me give you a little reality here. All of mankind is found in this boat. You are all creatures. That's right, I called you a creature. You are all creatures created in the image of God and accountable to God. Whether you're in Christ or not in Christ, that everyone's in that boat. You are created in the image of God and accountable to God. You're a creature. And God, as creator, since he created us, has the right to tell us who we are, what our purpose is, how to live our life, and what kind of relationships 
should look like. Man, that's like everything, right? Well, he's creator God. He has the right to tell us all these things. Just like a manufacturer has a right to tell me how to operate something. <clears throat> Anyone ever bought one of those tire inflators? And you plug it in your cigarette lighter or a wall and you can inflate your tire with it? Not a compressor, but just a tire inflator. Well, if you actually read the manual, it says, run for 15 minutes, 10-minute break. That's real, guys. <laughs> I try to fill up a truck tire with it. I'm like, oh, just a little bit longer. It'll be done. Just trying to get this done. 15 minutes passes. I'm like, oh, it's doing okay. It's doing okay. 20 minute passes, and it's gone. It's all smoking and froze up. It's like, well, I should have listened. 15 minutes, that's about it. Taking that back. And it lasts long. It's there for a reason. The manufacturer has a right to tell us how to use the equipment, just like God has the right to tell us who we are, our purpose, how to live our lives, and define relationships. Genesis. <clears throat> Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the beginning of the book. A lot of people want to look at that for science and things like that, but the main purpose, I believe, is to show us who God is. Sure, we can probably gleam all sorts of things about it, but it's really there to show us who God is because God introduced himself in the beginning. He's like, hello, I'm God, and I created the heavens and earth. And the reality is if you can believe Genesis 1-1, the rest of the Bible makes total sense. Think about it. If God in the beginning created heaven and earth, when you read about Joshua going, God, stop the sun, and it does, we, don't, we shouldn't bat an eye going, wow, that's amazing. Did you not read Genesis 1-1 when there was nothing? God said, let there be. And when he said, let there be light, at 186,000 miles per second, light came flooding across the universe. If you can believe that, stopping the sun, well, yeah, he made it. Makes sense. Raising the dead, sure. He took a bunch of dirt and blowed on it, and here we are. Raising the dead makes sense. He created it. All he has to do is say the word. See, the thing with God, it's either done or not done. It's not a can't do. There's nothing God can't do. It's either done or not done. It's his choice. So Genesis kind of gives us a glimpse, but he also established a lot of things in the beginning. So in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, he says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the, the fish in the sea, the birds in the, the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. We see in this passage that God made human beings in his image, and then he identified them. 
He said, you're going to be a male, you're going to be a female. He kept it pretty simple in the beginning. He didn't have to get much deeper. He said, you're going to be a male, Adam. You're going to be the female, Eve. They knew who they were. All right. And then he gave them purpose. He said, multiply, fill the earth, and govern over it. Steward what I'm giving you. Take care of this. They got purpose. If we go to Genesis 2, we're going to zoom in now. Genesis 1 is like a great overview. And then in Genesis 2, he kind of zooms in and gives us a little more detail. In Genesis 2, it says, in verse 15, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So he placed him in the garden. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So we see here, God gave man a, man a purpose. Again, steward this garden. I'm going to place you here. Take care of it. And then he told him how to live his life. You can eat anything in this garden but this one. Don't eat of this tree of the good and evil. Now, Everyone reads that and go, man, Adam, what was you thinking? But can, I, can we just be real? You would have done it too. <laughs> You'd have been looking at that fruit going, that looks pretty tasty. Lord, can I just give it a lick? <laughs> you, would, you would start toying with it. I mean, just look at the sin struggles you struggle with now, and that's with the Holy Spirit. But we also get in the sense, like in chapter 3, and also a little bit in chapter 2, that he didn't only give them the purpose of steward in the garden, but there's, mo- there's many moments where God was walking with Adam and talking with him. And in Genesis 2, he's actually bringing animals before him, and he's like, what are you going to call this one? Oh, that's cool. What about this one? Oh, that's a nice name. They hung out together, and in Genesis 3, it says, God came down in the cool of the evening looking for them after the fall. It seems to me that God had one other purpose, and it was intimate fellowship with his creation. You were created to be in fellowship with God. There's purpose there. But if we go down a little bit further in chapter 2, in verse 22, we see it says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, At last, he was like, Whoa, man. He'll get it someday. He sort of said that. He was like, At last. The man exclaimed, This one is bone for my bone, and flesh for my flesh. She shall be called woman. See, he said it. He's like, whoa, man. <laughs> but then it says this. This explains why a man leaves a father and mother and is joined to his wife. Very specific. He's joined to his wife and the two are united into one. See, God defined even relationships right from the beginning. 
He's like a proper relationship, because like I said, it's the beginning. There's only two of them. He's like, this is going to be proper relationship. This is protocol for what you guys are about to get into. You guys are going to be husband and wife. Not dude and lived-in girlfriend. No. That's not what he... That's not what he said. He didn't say someone and a life partner. Doesn't say husband and husband. Husband and wife. That's what he established. And anything that deviates from that is a perversion from the original design. Anything. It doesn't even say wives. One. One man, one woman for life. That's how God designed it. Anything extramarital, before, same, all that's a deviation and a perversion to how God designed it in Genesis. I know, I'm getting on some crazy topics. I felt like the Lord gave me this a month ago. Here we are today. So why did, why did he do this? Because he's God. And he has the right to tell his creation how to live, who they are, what their purpose is, and even what relationships look like. He has the right to do that. But when sin entered the world, this got all messed up and confused. When separation between man and God happened, everything got confused. We were confused on who we were. We're confused on our purpose. Man, there's a whole book about how meaningless life is without God called Ecclesiastes. Like the whole book, you read it and you go, man, that's so true. It's meaningless without God. Apart from God, it's all meaningless. It's like you work all your life to give it to your kids. How meaningless. (laughs) Sorry, youth, it's true. He's like, you're looking for pleasure and all these different things and joy and all these different things. And you realize death is around the door, corner. How meaningless. Without God, it all becomes meaningless. Purpose. It's all just purposeless. Even relationships apart from God, they take on new meaning. They don't mean as much. So let's jump into the New Testament and see what Jesus did for us. The first thing I want to hit on is Jesus came to restore your relationship with God. Sin separated us from that. Jesus came to restore that. In Ephesians 2 Uh, Verse 1, we're going to read through 9. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Notice the past tense because he's talking to the church. But as I read, if you're not in Christ, this is who you are right now. This is the state you're in right now. Don't have to be. Jesus came to change this. But it's in past tense because he's talking to people that are in Christ. He says, you were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and, and the mind, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. See, if you're in Christ, that's, what, that's the state you was in. If you're not, that's the state you are in. It says you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You're just walking out according to the flesh, walking out disobedience. You're just doing whatever feels right to you. And I told you, there's things that may feel right to you, but the Bible says leads to death. But Jesus came to change all that. And verse 4 says, but God. But God, being rich in mercy. Why is he so rich in mercy? Because of his great love with which he loved us. He loves you right where you're at. You don't have to get cleaned up. You can come to him just how you are. He loves you right where you're at. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in, him, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You are saved by grace through faith. That means when you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, when you put faith in that, you are lining yourself up to receive grace. Because it's not by works. We have nothing to offer to God. There is nothing good that we can bring before him that will be like, yeah, come on in. It's only by his grace. If you stood before God and said, but, you know, I work in the nursery. That's great. And do that. Trust me. Carl would love, Pastor Carl would love people in the nursery. I help out here in youth, or I, I'm a greeter. I did all this stuff. I worked down at the missions. You know, all you're doing is offering God filthy rags. He's looking at that going, that's filthy to me. Your righteousness, you can't offer anything to him. No, the one who knew no sin became sin for us so that I might become the righteousness of God. When I stand before him, he's not seeing me. He's seeing the righteousness of Christ. I have nothing to offer. There's no good in me to offer him. If anything good in my life happens, it's because of the Father above. That's where the good comes from. And if you have lined yourself up with faith, you receive grace. That's the only way in. That's the only way to receive restoration with a relationship with God. It starts there. 
Now, I know that's just peanut butter and jelly type of stuff, but can I tell you, not, it's not, it's meat. And if the gospel doesn't excite you anymore, you're, you're, you're too religious. The gospel should excite us. Every time we hear it, there should be a, a joyful cry in our heart because of the salvation that we've received. I know where I came from. I remember the state I was in. I remember following my passions and desires and where it got me. Oh, but God. That excites me. I don't even need a good band to start worshiping. I know what he's done for me. Jesus restored your relationship with God. Jesus also, Jesus came to restore your purpose. In Ephesians 2.10, just one verse down, if we just kept reading, it says, for we are his workmanship. Some translation says his handy, handy work. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did you know that why, why God was knitting you together in your mama's womb? He was already going, I got good works for this one. I got something for this one to do. And it's good. He has purpose for you. But you'll never know it unless you're in a relationship with God and in his word. But he has purpose for you. Before you was even a twinkle in your mother's eye, he already had purpose for you. Jesus came to restore your purpose. Jesus also came to restore your identity. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I want to park a little bit right there. I like how the New King James says it. He's like, Behold, what manner of love is this? In other words, it's like John is saying, Check this out. This love is not found on this planet. What manner, what kind of love is this? And the NIV says, and it's being lavished on us that we should be called children of a God. And that is what we are. I know there's a lot of things I could say that identify us through his word because we're in Christ. But I think this is the foundation. When you get right with God, you enter in to his family. You become a child of God. In fact, Romans even says, you will hear him say in your, in your spirit, you are my child, and your spirit will cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. And if you've never heard that in your spirit, that you're his child, you might need to check yourself to see if you're in the faith. Because that's the first thing he whispers to us. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're my child now. You're in my family. And John just lets us know, what kind of love is this that we are children of God, that we should be called children of God? And he's like, and that's what we are. That's the reality. That's our first identification that happens when we come into a relationship through Jesus Christ. We enter into a new family, and we are identified as children of God. I don't know about you, but that's awesome.
And then the last thing is Jesus came to restore relationships. Not just husband and wife, but all relationships. And 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we'd think John would say we'd have fellowship with God. But he doesn't. He says, you, he says we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we are walking in the light as he is in the light, we actually have fellowship with one another. It changes our relationship between brothers and sisters and brothers and brothers. It changes because now we can spur each other on to good works. When one falls, there's someone there to pick you up. Even your co-workers, maybe people that don't know who Christ is, that relationship changes too because now you're representing Jesus. You're his ambassador to them. And you're showing them the love of Christ. Even that relationship changes and takes on new meaning and purpose because now it's about a soul that has eternal value to God, created in his image, that one day will stand accountable to him. They need to be ready for that. And the only way to be ready is to be in Christ. It's up to you to let them know that in a way they can hear it. It doesn't matter what lifestyle they're in. It doesn't matter where, where they're going. It's up to you to let them know the truth of God's word in a way they can hear it. Because like I said, you can say some truth, but if they don't hear it because of how you said it, you said it wrong, and you were wrong. But when we come with love and gentleness, and people around us know that we generally love them, they'll hear what you have to say. Even the hard words. Even the ones that's like messes up their whole lifestyle. They'll listen if they know you genuinely love them. So when we walk in the light as he's in the light, it changes our fellowship with everyone. It brings new meaning. Not just your, your wife. Oh, that's, a, that's the one that's going to be affected the most. Husband and wife. And we need Jesus in our marriage by the grace of God, right? So when you are in Christ, you have intimacy with God. You know who you are. You have purpose. And your relationships takes on new meaning. Jesus restores it all. He restores it all. Every aspect of your life, he restores back to his original intent. He restores it all. So I want to close with this. I got one last passage. And the questions are, what does it look like when the intimacy with Jesus wanes? What does a church look like when they have lost their purpose and religion has seeped in? They're just going through religious motions. The intimacy has waned. I think we find it in Revelations 3. In Revelations 3, starting in verse 14, it says, 
write this letter to the angels of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what is he is saying to the churches. I believe too many churches in America are in this boat. And that is why we need revival. That is why we need a Bible revival and a Spirit of God move. Because too many of us are in this boat. What is scary is this church thought they, they were okay and had need of nothing. They didn't even realize that Jesus wasn't even in their midst. He was outside knocking on the door. That's what this is talking about. A lot of times we use this verse talking about he's knocking on the door of your heart. But he's saying, no, I was knocking on the door of the church. They didn't even realize the state they were in. They thought they were okay. And Jesus is saying, you're not hot nor cold. I'd rather have you one or the other. Which really means this. Cold water, invigorating, refreshing. It's good. Hot water, healing, soothing. Drop a tea bag in it. Nice. Right? Or as, or as Skyler would say, cold coffee, great. Awesome. Hot coffee, great. Love it. Lukewarm coffee. That needs to change. <laughs> and that's what he's saying, lukewarm water. I spit it on my mouth. Why? Because it's not useful. They were complacent. They were indifferent. He's like, I, you're not being useful to me. You're lukewarm. You're complacent. you got apathy going on. You're indifferent. You're indifferent toward your sin. You're indifferent toward the Spirit of God. You're indifferent toward the Word of God. Just so full of religion. We've lost a relationship. I want to come in and have a meal with you. You think you're rich, but the reality is you're poor. Come, buy gold from me, and I will make you rich in purpose again. Come, buy garments from me, and I will clothe you in righteousness again. Come, and I will give you salve for your eyes so that you can actually see the world the way I see it again. They didn't even realize the state they were in. 
I wonder if the church in America realizes where they're at. There's so many, so many that God is knocking on the door. Saying, just let me in again. You think I'm walking among you, but I'm not.